As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Prince William and Princess Kate are ready to move again as Harry and Meghan's documentary seemingly has a release date. And I think that telling a consistent story can sometimes be really difficult through all these different mediums. Meghan Markle reflects on her deal or no deal past and are William and Kate ready for baby number four? I do wonder, I feel like people can go both ways. They're like, oh, they're all growing up, let's have another one. Or, oh, they're all in school, we're done, let's move on with things. Right. Plus, curator David Corelli tells us all about the Princess Diana, the tribute exhibition. Um, so kind of move over Elvis. It's time to, to have a new chapel in town. Uh, and this is pretty much the ultimate wedding of all time. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hey everyone, welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina, that's Christine. And welcome to a lighter week of royal news. <laughs> it's kind of nice and quiet. We're going to jinx it. Next week is going to be so busy because we've said this. Totally, I totally jinxed it. But before we get into the news, let's see what you guys had to say about last week's show. Dixie Tree says, Princess Anne has been one of the hardest working underrated royals for decades. I have to agree. So true. I think everyone's fallen in love with her since the portrayal in The Crown, and now yeah. she's really being appreciated because she's so hardworking. Definitely, definitely. And W. Lee K. St. says, William had to feel very much like the late Queen's father did when his own brother abandoned duty and wrapped his world around a woman. That concept was foreign to the late Queen when it was her grandson as when it was her uncle. Interesting. I mean, possibly. Yeah, there's been a lot of comparisons there. I think especially because Wallace Simpson was American and, and Megan is American. Um, definitely an interesting viewpoint. I think there's so many different side, you know, ways you can look at this. Definitely. All right, well, let's get into our Royal Roundup and start off with King Charles meeting with Prime Minister Liz Truss. Um, and it was a bit uncomfortable. Take a look. <laughs> Just this one, sir. You know, this was their first <laughs> weekly audience at Buckingham Palace and can't tell if he was excited or not. <laughs> right. You know, don't know if you paid attention to the UK politics, but it's a bit messy over here right now. Um, it was so funny. I feel like, again, though, it was very relatable. And I feel like a lot of people really liked that, you know, kind of getting feeling out the new king um, for him to make sort of a funny comment. was right. really, little, really fun. Dear, 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 oh dear, anyway, I love it. Um, a lot of people were noticing, of course, you know, we always like to um, investigate what pictures are in the background of photos and things like that. And he did have a picture of Harry and Meghan's wedding in the background. So a lot of people uh, noticed that there was a 
a little tribute to Harry and Meghan there. Yes, it's really interesting to see because those are placed so purposefully. You know, they know where the camera angle is going to go. So I think we saw Harry and Meghan's wedding. We saw, I think, George's christening. Um, there was a really lovely, you know, uh, portrait of the Queen. And I just love the thought that has to go into this. You know, there's so many pictures they can choose from. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I wonder whose job it is to just to, <laughs> yeah. to, to pick out the photos. And of course, I'm sure girls get the final approval, but I wonder whose job that is. Um, a lot of people are also noti- noticing a photo of um, Harry and Meghan at Prince George's christening in uh, the Queen Consort's photo. So Buckingham Palace released a photo of Camilla to announce that the hundreds of plush bears left outside royal residences following the death of Queen Elizabeth will be donated to children's hospitals. I love that. Now, she was all smiles in the shot taken in the morning room of Clarence House. And like I said, she was seated around uh, Paddington and teddy bears. And in the background was that photo of uh, Prince George's christening. So I just love this story. I think it's such a great idea to donate all the all of these bears to children's hospitals. It was really sweet when I was um, when I was there sort of helping with all the floral tributes. I asked, you know, what's going to happen to these? And the volunteers said that it hadn't been decided, but there was a lot of conversations about charity. There were so many. I mean, we only saw a small sampling. I can't tell you how many there were. And a few months ago at, at McDonald's in the UK, they actually had Paddington Bear stuffed toys as the McDonald's Happy Meal toy. There must have been hundreds of those down at Buckingham Palace. It was so cute. Um, but I, I love that they're going to charity. I love that they've kind of recognized all the gifts that were left for the late uh, Her Majesty the Queen. Um, really moving. I, as well as being delightful and sweet, it's really moving to think about. It really is. It really is. It's going to put a smile on a lot of kids' faces. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, Kate, Kate and William were showing off their sporty side, which they always like to do. They visited the uh, Copper Box Arena in the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in East London to support Coach Cora program that's celebrating its 10th anniversary that tra- trains young people to become coaches and encourages the next generation of athletes. So the Royal Couple got involved with several young people associated with the charity and got a taste of some of the sports sessions um, that were offered. Prince William was seen um, taking hits in a boxing bag and kicking a soccer ball while Kate played around um, some bocce ball. I love when they show off their sporty side. I think it's great. I know. This is always where they really shine at the Royal events is when they can be sporty and play games and sort of get into, um, you know, the activities. I think that the, the players and the people who are a part of these organizations really love it as well. I think it's much more memorable, you know, playing soccer with Prince William is way more memorable than shaking his hand. Yes. Um, so I thought this was really a, a, always a special event when they're doing sports. It was really special because Kate wore this amazing Chanel jacket. Did you oh, see that vintage yes. Chanel blazer? I uh, was green with envy. <laughs> oh, seriously, stunning. Absolutely stunning. And they're actually taking a little bit of break this week because I think their children are on holiday from school. So that's why they're not out and about as much this week. Yeah, yeah. There's a, they ha- The children get a two-week break, um, sort of what's called a half-term or an exit break. So we probably won't see them until after the children go back. I wish like real life was like that. Like we could just have a two week break every now and then. <laughs> I know. I know. Just a nice, you know, in just in the middle of, you know, yeah. it's only been about six weeks since school started. Imagine if every six oh. weeks you just got to take a week long holiday. You know, so much happier. We'd be a lot happier. <laughs> yes. um, well, Daniel Craig has another thing in common with James Bond. Like literally um, life is imitating art because the late Queen Elizabeth made Daniel Craig, a companion of the Order of St. Michael and St. George. So this was back in January. And this is literally just like James Bond. So on Tuesday, he received his honor from the Queen's daughter, Princess Anne, at the investiture ceremony held at Windsor Castle. 
The Royals family official social media page use, of course, a famous phrase from James Bond to share the the moment saying um, we've been expecting you. So they cheekily captioned the photo, which I love. And literally, Daniel Craig has turned into James Bond. It's um, so charming. I love, you know, the Royal social media game has really been stepping up lately. It's a bit funnier and more modern and a bit, you know, more tongue in cheek. And I love that, you know, I feel like um, the late Queen Elizabeth will be synonymous with being a Bond girl for so long. And Daniel Craig was her James Bond in that um, really memorable moment. And so I think it's just really special. He'll always be a part of that story. He really will. He really will. All right. Well, Speaking of stories that are making some headlines, so Meghan Markle is opening up about her time on the game show Deal or No Deal, which seems like a lifetime ago. It's kind of crazy. So she did this on her Archetypes podcast, and she said that she was recently flipping through the channels, came across the show, and it brought back a lot of memories. So she sat down with Paris Hilton this week, and she said, there was a very cookie-cutter idea of precisely what we should look like. It was solely about beauty and not necessarily about brains. When I look back at the time, I'll never forget this one detail because moments before we get on stage, there was a woman who ran the show and she'd be there backstage and she'd go, Markle, suck it in, Markle, suck it in. She, of course, eventually quit the, the quit the show. Um, and she said that she was thankful for the job, but not for how it made her feel. She said that she was surrounded by smart women on the stage, but that wasn't the focus of why they were there. She said, I would end up leaving with this pit in my stomach, knowing that I was so much more than what was being objectified on the stage. I didn't like being forced to be all looks and little substance. And that's how it felt for me at the time, being reduced to this specific archetype. I mean, I could see that. I mean, Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. That's, you know, they are, they are, they're briefcase models. They're there to like open up the models, look pretty and not necessarily there for their um, for their brains, I guess. Yeah. This is an yeah, I know. This conversation was so great with Paris Hilton mm-hmm. about this sort of bimbo narrative. Yeah. And I think this is a good reminder. I mean, you're right. Dealer No Deal feels like so long ago in, in Megan's life, you know, life and the way things have gone. But it's a reminder that, you know, she talked a lot about how she was sort of broke and like, you know, had a car that would barely run yeah. and probably took several jobs that weren't really, you know, uh, that didn't really represent what, who she wanted to be, but it kind of paid the bills. And a lot of us, I think, can relate to that. Um, a lot of people can relate to taking a job that you don't love, that you don't really like what it stands for, but at least it's a paycheck. And um, learning from that experience, you know, learning about who you want to be and what sort of things you want to do and working towards that. So I thought this was just kind of a relatable, you know, sometimes she can feel 
a little out of touch, you know, a little bit up in her Montecito mansion. But it's a nice reminder that she kind of, you know, did have to, you know, start from the bottom and, and you know, had similar experiences. No, definitely. She definitely struggled to get to where she is today. I mean, she had to put in the work and put in the time. And she said that this was basically money to pay for auditions. And like you said, pay for her car to keep running and things like that. So <laughs> she did like, I mean, yes, her, her family was in the, her dad, you know, was a cameraman in the business and things like that. But she did have to work for, for where she is. So yes, it is a, a relatable conversation. All right, moving on, let's spill some royalty because it seems like Prince William and Kate Middleton will eventually live in Windsor Castle. According to the Royal Collection Trust, 40 monarchs have called the um, Windsor Castle home since it was built by William the Conqueror in the the 11th century. I mean, I think we kind of figured that eventually they would move into Windsor Castle since they recently made the move to Windsor and um, are really, you know, putting down roots as a family there. Definitely. I think there was a lot of conversation, especially because Adelaide Cottage is so small. It's not really big enough for, you know, what a future king might theoretically need. Um, So there was definitely sort of rumors or hints that Adelaide Cottage was sort of a stopping point until they moved into Windsor Castle. But I don't think they would ever do that until the queen was, you know, had had passed, which she now has. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we'll see this move really quickly. I mean, I think they'll, the the poor children, their poor kids have had such a tumultuous, you know, new school year. Um, So I think they'll sort of stay where they are for a little bit, but I do think that the move into Winter Castle is inevitable. Yeah, I think so too. All right, well, moving on, according to Page Six, Prince Harry and Meghan's documentary will debut on Netflix in December. A source told the publication that a lot in the show contradicted what Harry has written in his upcoming book. So that was an issue. Then Harry and Meghan made significant requests to filmmakers to walk back content they themselves has provided for their own projects. So it seems like things might be getting a little messy. Maybe he, um, you know, decided to change up his book a little bit, therefore wanted to change up the documentary. And it doesn't seem like Netflix wants to do that. Yeah, I feel like they have so many things going on with the podcast, the documentary, the other Netflix projects. Um, and this book and, you know, Megan keeps giving these magazine interviews. And I think that telling a consistent story can sometimes be really difficult through all these different mediums. So I bet that they are finding it tricky and now they're kind of, you know, wanting to pull back and thinking, especially with everything is so meticulously fact-checked now, everything that they yeah. say, people are really, really precise in fact-checking it. They are probably trying to be a little bit more careful to avoid, you know, the inevitable fallout. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which we sure will happen. Um, speaking <laughs> yeah. of fall- Fallout, Netflix and Netflix. They're, of course, they're preparing for the upcoming season, the fifth season of The Crown. And um, a lot of people are saying that maybe it's not the right time to launch the fifth season of The Crown and the um, upcoming documentary for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex because of, you know, the Queen's recent death. They're saying it's way too soon because, you know, where we pick up in The Crown is the real life 1990s troubles like between Prince Charles, Princess Diana. So they're saying that might not be the right time. What do you think? I I don't think Netflix cares. Um, (laughs) I think that, you know, I think we've seen a couple of times that Netflix really isn't interested in being respectful to the Royal family that they're making all of this money off of. Um, They're there because it's getting tons of viewers. People are really enjoying the juicy drama and it's making them tons and tons of money. Yeah. And I'll never forget last Thanksgiving. I was, it was, it must've been last Thanksgiving. I was at dinner and one of my, uh, a family member said to me, like, I had no idea that this, this, and this happened. And I was like, what are you talking about? Right. He was like, well, in the crown, they show this, this, and that. And I was like, that's 
fiction. Right. <laughs> like it's it's a real show. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think like you said, as long as this is making a lot of money, I think we're going to be yes. seeing this on our streaming services next month. I know. It, be in. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me nervous because they've said, no, no, we won't go too far into the future. And then they keep sort of creeping into the present day. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, oh, okay, how long are they, you know, how far are they going to push this? Right. How far? Definitely. All right. Well, let's break down the Royal rules and joining us today is David Corelli. He is the curator of the Princess Diana, the tribute exhibition, which is going on right now in Las Vegas. So take a look. Well, it's such a pleasure to get to chat with you. And I know so many people are so excited about this exhibit. So tell me all about it. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, love being on the podcast and uh, I love to tell you all about this exhibit. So Princess Diana tribute exhibition exclusively in Las Vegas is the world's premier exhibit on Diana and the Royal family. We have over 700 original items uh, related to Diana, as well as the Royal family. That includes Prince Harry, Prince William, uh, now King Charles, uh, and basically dating all the way back to Queen Victoria in the 1800s. So what we've done is taken that entertainment uh, attraction you expect in Las Vegas and merged it with, you know, basically the world's largest on display collection of Diana and the Royal family memorabilia. That's amazing. Out of these 700 uh, memorabilia, I mean, it's got to be hard to choose, but if you were going in there, what's the one thing that you would like take a beeline for? Yeah, it it is definitely difficult to choose. So I think there's, there's obviously the showcase items. Those start with the eight evening gowns uh, of Diana Mm -hmm. um, to see eight all in one place. And it's something that you can only really appreciate in person when you get up so close, you know, four feet away and you see that intricate work that these couture designers did for some of her gowns. It's just absolutely breathtaking. You know, so first and foremost, that's one of the show stopping things I always beeline for um, the wedding dress, uh, an artist installation, full size and scale of her wedding dress, including the 25 foot train. And what we've done with that is we've flown it underneath a glass, uh, a glass floor. So attendees can really get right on top and over it, standing on top of this glass floor uh, and actually take in that full 25 foot train and get, you know, right up behind the dress 360 all the way around it. So those are some of those big wow moments that, um, you know, like people always go to right away, but there's all these little stories that you don't typically hear in between. One of my favorites is her bridesmaid, Sarah Jane. Um, Sarah Jane was the daughter of uh, Charles horse trainer and polo manager. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Diana had developed a friendship with her kind of a big, the big sister, little sister type relationship asked her to become a bridesmaid. And as a gift for being a bridesmaid, she gave her a heart shaped locket uh, and wrote her a thank you note, signed off, love Diana. Sarah Jane clipped out the love Diana, folded it up, put it in that locket and carried it around her neck for the next 16 years. Uh-huh. Um, and we were fortunate to get that piece from Sarah Jane and now have it in the, in the exhibit. So there's, I, I can't name them all, but there's dozens of little stories like that, that are just, you know, they add that little extra wrinkle that makes it just so unique. It does. It sounds absolutely fascinating. I mean, are there any like little stories between Diana and the queen, obviously with everything going on in the news? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be, you know, uh, fascinated to hear about their dynamic and their relationship. Yeah. So we have a whole section actually dedicated to the Royals mm-hmm. uh, so that we go back in time and different to, than your normal Diana exhibit. That is, is all Diana. We've actually taken the opportunity to go back uh, through all the Kings and Queens going back to Queen Victoria. So we actually have a whole section dedicated to Queen Elizabeth II. Um, and, and some of there's some interesting things you learn about that history. I mean, here is a woman who became queen when she was 23, um, has seen 12 presidents, 15 prime ministers, 
served in World War II, survived the bombing of Buckingham Palace. I mean, just just unbelievable. Um, so you get to see that evolution of the queen. And I think we don't have a lot of head-to-head comparisons, but I think you see this, this kind of parallel story that even though they've had their differences over time, they were both uh, women that created international reputations and uh, really were icons and role models. Um, so you see a lot of that. You can see a lot of how they changed their ways, uh, the ways of how the royals did things, uh, parallel each other. Queen Elizabeth started and then Diana kind of picked up the torch and started changing a lot of the things that royals did. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's like a wedding aspect to this as well, correct? That is correct. So you can actually get married in the wedding room uh, with the 25 foot train and the full wedding dress right there, the artist installation right beside you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought, hey, weddings are are Vegas. You know, Vegas is the wedding capital of the world. 120,000 people tie the knot every year. Um, so kind of move over Elvis. It's time to, to have a new chapel in town. Uh, and this is pretty much the ultimate wedding of all time. I mean, it's the fairy tale that everybody dreams about the prince, the princess, you know, the, that perfect ceremony and perfect dress. So we thought, why not create something you can only get in Las Vegas? You can tie the knot. Uh, right in the room dedicated to the most famous wedding of all time. And then you can have a reception uh, in the fashion room with some of the most famous fashions of all time around you. I love that so much. I mean, when when people go through this exhibit, what are you hoping that they take away from it? What are you hoping that they learn about Diana, maybe appreciate about Diana even more so than they do now? I think there's definitely a lot of education. Even if you're a huge fan of Diana, there's things you will learn that you maybe haven't uh, before. We start all the way back at her childhood mm-hmm. and her aristocratic family and kind of trace her roots, you know, all the way up to becoming uh, a young socialite in London, meeting Charles, uh, their courtship, and then, you know, obviously uh, their wedding and then the arrival of Harry and William. But then I think ultimately you forget how many ways she actually changed the world. Mm-hmm. Um and the legacy that she has left. She single-handedly revolutionized so many things, whether it was AIDS, leprosy, mental health struggles and bulimia. Um, And then obviously her fashion and style trends that still transcend today. So you get an appreciation of the impact she had. And then I think, you know, ultimately I always end, when I go into this, I always end thinking I need to call my mother and tell her I love her. So she makes you want to be a better person and just, remembering that legacy and kind of carrying that forward, that love of family, genuine care of others. I mean, she's famous for saying if we could all just be a little bit more compassionate, uh, the world would be a better place. And I think that's what you kind of leave with is that that feeling of she did those things and ultimately actually did make the world a better place by doing them. So David, where tell everybody where the exhibition is, how long it's going on for and for more information as well. So the Princess Diana Tribute Exhibition is exclusively in Las Vegas. We're in the Shops at Crystals, which is adjacent to the Aria Resort and Casino. You can go to dianalasvegas.com for tickets. And we have a long-term residency. Uh, so we'll be there for a number of years. So we hope that whether you're going to Vegas this year or in a few years, you'll come check us out. Yeah, if you're headed to Vegas anytime soon, make sure to um, check it out. And if you're planning on getting married in Vegas, maybe you want to get married next to Princess Diana's wedding dress. <laughs> I love that. It's move over Elvis. It's Definitely. Time for- <laughs> Definitely. All right, well, let's get into our pint-sized palace and Princess Kate and Prince William. Of course, already parents to three children, but they may be thinking about baby number four. So an insider tells us weekly that Kate has been talking about wanting another baby for a while now. She has always wanted four children. And while William was originally happy with three, she has managed to twist his arm. 
I don't know. An insider is definitely telling us that. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. She has like on um, certain outings and she, you know, she's had, she's held some babies and Prince Harry, uh, Prince William, excuse me, is like, don't give her any ideas. So, <laughs> really? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. I do wonder if like once you get those first three into school, you know, like Louis in school now, I do wonder if like people can go both ways. They're like, oh, they're all growing up. Let's have another one. Or, oh, they're all in school. We're done. Let's move on with things. Right. Um, so I, only time will tell. Only time will tell. We'll have to wait and see. But I would love another little royal baby for us to uh, ooh and ah at. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, Christine, thank you so much for running down all things royals with me as always. This was fun. I liked this week. Some light stories. Light fun stories. Yes. 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 No feuding. No drama. We like it light. That's nice. (laughs) Definitely. Well, everybody, keep commenting, keep subscribing, and we will see you guys next week.